Hello and welcome to the Tournament Poker Project. All the way from Essex, my name's John. And I'm the Tane. The Tane. And sticking we are two... We're sticking with it. Um, love it. We are two recreational poker players, and this is our journey to get good enough at poker to play in the World Series of Poker. And, and not just play, but... And I say this every week, but we want to crush the World Series of Poker. Don't we want yeah. more one day? The first time we go, I reckon we're going to be really nervous. And like, we'll be like, oh my God, we're ready. Like, we are ready to go. Like, you know, we feel like we've, you know, we've got a positive ROI or whatever. And, you know, we're confident and we can play yeah. different types of, and we'll go. And probably the first time we go, we're just going to absolutely, I don't know, I reckon I'll be pretty nervous. Yeah. Like, I thought about this actually. Like, I'm going to get t shirts made up for the very first day. One yeah. of them that just says, first day, baby. Yeah, first day, first day, baby. Yeah, and then the next one is I don't. If I get to day two, it's I, I don't know where I am. Yeah, <laughs> my intention was only to play at day two, at uh, day yeah. one. But also on the back, just saying I made a po- a podcast just for today. Oh kind of yeah, that's a great one. I made a so podcast. So it's just like I, I'm not just I'm just not just nervous. There's an entire freaking podcast built up around this first day. So if I <laughs> so yeah, when I crash cool. out that- third hand. That's a really cool thought, actually, to think, like, say we did, like, win something big or, or you know, got the chance to, you know, got to the final table and, we you know, had a few words and we could mention, well, there's a podcast. I wonder how many people would then go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> I like how you're politely saying you'd have a word, like, I'd, they'd be doing an interview with me, just like, how's it been going? Well, the podcast, blah, 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 podcast, right? I do a podcast, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. blah. Like, yeah, what about this hand yeah i was thinking about this on the podcast and <laughs> there's a podcast yeah that would be so cool that would be so cool though like and it's all documented like going back to when we were you know even like in april when we started this just probably talking a lot of crap you know like yeah. compared to what we know now no disrespect to our past selves but you know we've definitely come along and there's still a long way to go, but we've definitely come along, and it's it'll be interesting to listen back one day. Yeah, and now yeah. We're, like, we're both sitting there at the final table of World Series main event. Like it's pretty, it's a pretty good journey. People oh, will man, probably tune in so. at that point. Could you imagine? Yeah. Um, talking of final tables, shout out to Alex Todd. Now, yeah, I don't I don't know him. That I don't. It's not that I've you know I don't think I've even spoke to him, but he has definitely played at my table before at the Benfleet game um, and he just won the Goliath up in Coventry so shout out to you Alex that was quite inspirational I was watching the live stream as was other people on that players poker group and yeah man that was that was just fantastic really really solid poker you know I've already got the bug for poker but just watching someone that I've sat at a table with Go and win that thing was just like wow, this is you know, it's there he for the taking. Lost the big stack, didn't he? He, he, oh, had, he, did. he, he didn't relinquish the big stack the whole time That's, he was at the and front that table. Is good, that is good going, isn't it? That it's is hard. Yeah, and also big up to the to the Benfleet massive. The Benfleet crew. Yeah. Out to you. Well, Out to you, Benfleet crew. Love it, mate. But John's Emporium. Really, yeah. really nice venue. Really, really nice game. Nice bunch of people. Love it. Cool. So, how are you getting there? How have you been? You've been practicing this week. Yeah, I've been practicing opening ranges. So, 
I don't know all of them, but I know quite a lot. Or I know the majority of each stack depth and position now. So I've been learning the kind of lowest suited card in the hand and all of all upwards and then the lowest offsuit and then all upwards so for instance i know that at 40 big blinds on the button you should raise with all of your offsuit eights and when i say all of your offsuit eights i don't mean eight seven offsuit or eight six or eight five eight being the bottom the lowest of the two cards that you hold so i've learned that kind of bottom end of your range and then obviously you've got to add extra aces in because even if eight is the bottom of the offsuit you'll often be raising like ace four ace five and stuff like that so it goes below that but i'm kind of getting the the majority of the charts now memorized in my head for three different stack depths so i've just gone for an m of six up to ten and then an m of ten up to sixteen and then an m of sixteen plus and then I've broke the positions down into five positions. So button, cut off, hijack, low jack, and then just early all grouped together. And yeah, that's it's a lot of data. So I'm up to 120 bits of data now because I've got all of the suited and offsuit aces, which ones you jam with pre-flop, all of the pairs, what pairs you jam with. And yeah, I'm getting that consistently right. I'm, I'm going over it three times, four times a day. So I'm kind of ready to go and go the next step now and i'm a bit torn between do i go into even more detail with the charts and start looking at which kings and possibly queens you open with a bit wider than the bottom of the say you know the off all the offsuit eights for the button 16 plus m would you you know there's there's usually like a kings down to like king five maybe and then queen six or queen seven might be in there um, and just understanding all the curves of those ranges on the charts. So I could go that that way or I could go, right, that's enough as a base understanding. I can adjust a little bit knowing that there's extra kings and queens that get played um, and then just jump. I, I kind of feel like I want to jump straight into three betting ranges next. That's kind of where I'm feeling like I'm going to get the most benefit because I'm opening like loads more hands now and it's working out really well. The, the couple of games I've played, it's gone fantastic. I played like an 850 runner tournament. Um, was it this? I think it was Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. And came 11th, which was just amazing. Um, and what I noticed was different about this game was I didn't, usually I'm kind of running at about 10M, 15M at best. And then it's always, like, oh, my, and then I have to make a, a bit of a risky play and hope I'll double up. This game I played tame. I was just riding in the green zone the whole way, like well in the well in a comfy place. At one point, I was in like the top ten chip stacks, you know, with like five hundred people left, and just riding this the whole way. And I didn't feel like I took any flips for my tournament life. I was definitely in a few flips, but it was when I felt like I was ahead, and it meant that if I lost, you know, I was still like well in the game. And so it just went really, really well. But as good as that was, there it got to a point near the end when everyone was just free betting the hell out of each other. And and I think that's because by that point, you've got more of the better players left in the on those final two tables. 
And the better players, I just think, know how to free bet and they know what three bets to call and they know what to four bet. And it just feels like learning three betting is probably the, the most beneficial next step for me. And then I can come back at a later date and learn all the kings and the queens that I need to add to my ranges and whatnot. Quality. Yeah. What about you? How are you getting on? Well, I'm reading up on ranges as well. Like, you inspired me with your learning ethos. Nice. Um, so I'm still reading the Acevedo book. Um, and I'm, it's right in the middle. MTT, raise first in ranges. Um, at the moment, I'm trying to get, because the way they describe them, even though they've got the grids and you can just learn the grids, the way they go through the construction of them is very different. And I think the um, the O'Kearney book does it similarly, where it's almost like they've got a, a script of a, a good range construction, all the things that it needs to have in it. And they just reiterate that again and again and again. And it's And the way they describe that is, that then feeds directly into three bet, four bet. I mean, five bet if you're deep enough, but almost never in MTTs. Um, and it's the difficulty is that you need to, for me, I need to learn everything all at once. You can't pick and choose. Like I can learn the ranges verbatim, but I've read too much about it. I've read this chapter about three times now and I try to cherry pick a bit too much and that causes me a little bit of problems because if I'm cherry picking a 15 big blind range, but I'm accidentally playing it at 30 big blinds, there's actually a lot of reasons that that's not just not good, but it's bad. Like I'm either giving up massive value or I was already playing slim, slim equity. And now I've delved into I'm a, I'm a losing player. Like I'm almost certainly going to lose money if I carry on doing that. So is that is that because you'd just be more exploitable playing it incredibly like, do you think? Yeah, it would just be too difficult to balance. So if I'm playing certain hands in early position that are just outside the range or that are, that are in the range at like 15 or 12 big blinds, because the strategy at that point is just shove or raise with the intention of shoving. But when you've got 60 big blinds bit deep, it, you never, you might not even get it in by the river. So you need to be playing a hand that performs really well or post flops so, to pick in hands that have got a little bit of raw equity, but, you know, sound like a, a seven off suit. Picking that as the hand I'm going to play early position and then trying to go hammer and tong when I hit an ace is just burning money. Like it's, I'm out of position, so I'm just never going to realise that equity enough. My skill edge will never overcome that um so yeah i mean a couple of the interesting things i picked out first the main one that was really obvious is that i don't play king eight suited enough which is unusual because i play other hands far too much but king eight suited was in almost every well i think it was in every single range and that's from 10 big blinds up to 100 big blinds every single position and i don't play it very often i, I consider it a sub sub premium hand and i should be playing it like a mediocrity a decent premium hand um what else did i learn that was really interesting oh that was it so lower low jack and earlier positions they have a raising range at 10 big blinds and i have definitely been playing shove push or fold at 10 big blinds and lower from early position but they have a a quite it's it's not a big raising range but it exists every it's not a simple push and shove um but that's probably not too big a leak really um but the really interesting thing is that low jack and earlier 
play far fewer hands at 60 big lines than they do at 30. And getting my head around the reasons for that is really helping and understanding why that's the case. Because you can't wait, because you just can't wait and you've, you've got to increase yeah. the risk to, to make sure you're getting paid for anything that's even remotely got decent ish equity. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons they're saying, especially as it goes past like the 40 big blinds mark, is that it's quite difficult to get all the chips in. So your positional disadvantage suddenly becomes king and like not aching but you know what i mean it suddenly becomes the principal factor so the the best way to overcome your positional disadvantage is trying to get all the chips in as quick as you can so you can bet bigger you bet stronger your range is tighter so you're going to be bluffing less as well because you, you you should be making better hands so you can start building a pot and building it fast so you can get your chips in to overcome that if you can get all your chips in by the turn you don't have to worry about playing at the river and did you, you know, did it, did you realise the equity that you wanted to? Whereas at 60 plus big blinds or even 40 plus big blinds, you, so rarely are you going to be able to manipulate the pot that you can get all the chips in when you're playing out of position. All these hands that don't have the best equity, even if they've got raw equity, they just don't realise it. Just They're just not going to come good. Um, I mean, that's it. This is it. I'm still in the thick of it and I'm still working out the nuance of that. But yeah. the fact that it just it baffled my mind that when you're deeper stacks, you should be playing less hands in early so position. So many things, Tane, so many things appear so counterintuitive to me. And then I'm like, why? Why is that that way? And then it just takes me ages. And then you're like, oh, right, finally, I get it now. But yeah. you just hear these things and you're like, is that true? And, you, you know, you look online and, and it turns out, yeah, like this just seems to be what everyone's saying and it just doesn't it just doesn't feel like the right right way around and yeah it's um i guess that's part of the learning journey though isn't it just yeah. delving into it and then understanding for yourself why something is so yeah i mean this is one of the things that okini mentioned in his book that why it's so difficult to teach game theory to someone who's a seasoned player even if they're not pro just a seasoned player who's been playing a long time it can be too difficult to undo probably most of what they built up. And the other side being that it's it's such a complex and in-depth way of learning. Like to learn game theory is big and you need to go into it full hog. The best time to do that is when you've just started learning. But it's also probably the most unlikely and most difficult time to do it. So until we get to a place where even if you're picking up the most amateur book, it's based on game theory concepts until that changes like until that happens it's learning game theory just gives you an advantage over both even the the excellent new players who just haven't got to game theory yet which hopefully was us at the start of this pod um and then the seasoned pros that try their hardest and just can't can't undo the unintuitive stuff you know like you just imagine you've got a big stack you boss people around you put pressure on the small lines and it's like no you've not I liken it to um, like your, your golf swing and, you you know, someone who's played for years, they might be playing off a handicap of like, you know, 10. They're, they're pretty good. They can get around and they, they've and they, they see a, the golf coach and the golf coach basically says, look, your swing's really not, you know, there's quite a few things you need to change about your swing to get it actually right. It's very difficult to hear that anyway, because, you know, you're hitting the ball well most of the time, you know, but. If you could just get through and get 
past that and, and get through it and learn the correct way to swing a club, then you end up being even better and you end up getting a much better handicap and you'd be off five or four, you know. Um, but you've got to go through that period of it completely messing up your golf swing, you know, completely messing it up and it doesn't feel right. It's And you're not even getting results. So it's not like, oh, this doesn't feel right, but I'm, you know, I'm playing better. It doesn't feel right, and it's messed your game up. You can't hit the ball properly, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's a, it's probably the same in poker. You know, you've got all these bad habits. You can't see how something could possibly be correct to change, but you change it, and it doesn't work out because then you're not you're not adjusting and then playing the other bits around it correctly, so to, to actually start seeing the financial gains. So then you you know you just assume it's not right, and you just stick to your your ways and. Yeah, I can see how that happens, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and that just, it can mess with you. I mean, even for me, it's, I feel that I've picked up enough of it and I've really taken to it deliciously, um, like wraps my arms around it and love it, that it's, I can get enough out of it. I'm, I'm the, the, the bad bits that I'm making better are much better than any of the good bits which I'm maybe now suffering from while I'm trying to get my head around it. Um, but, but, but yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm glad that I picked it up when I did, because it could have got to a situation where, yeah, it just was too far down the rabbit hole and I couldn't I hear do you, it. Man. I, think, I, think we've both, I think we've both gone into this GTO thing with quite um, you know, an open mind and it served us both really well. Like we're kind of just le- letting it rewrite our poker game and that's a good way to rewrite your poker game. It really is. Yeah. So, so, so should we jump into a hand? Yeah, we've got a, we've got what I would consider a, uh, a bad range hand. I've picked this one specifically for its badness and me doing things in positions that I shouldn't be. I had, so basically, so basically, a hand that you shouldn't have played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might all just come down to the to the very first action or it might be there's actually a bit of nuance to the hands that we can get into but at the very at the very least i mean it's not a spoiler to say i've got jack free off suit and i decide to get get funky with it and i shouldn't so you're on the the button though right this you're on the button we are off so does it fold round to you then so let's have a look so i am sitting on the button we are playing nine handed so we're fairly there's no good reason to be making moves. We're mostly sitting pretty around the table. Um, it's very early in what is probably a sit and go. So everyone's sitting with anywhere between me. I'm the short stack, but I've still got 35 big blinds and the big stacks sitting with 67. So it's all, it's really early. Basically the, the fact that I've lost a few chips means nothing apart from the fact that if I'm then playing Jack free off, I'm probably not on my A game. Um, so just to skip past, we do get folds from everyone right round. So I'm sitting in the button, 35 big blinds. We've got the small blinds sitting on 49 big blinds. And the big blind is sitting with 46 big blinds back. Um, I've got Jack free off suit. I'm the effective stack. My first action is to raise 3.1 big blinds. Okay. As in it is a obviously 
it's a steal, an outright steal with nothing more than a steal. The only other thing, I mean, I've already said it's early in the tournament, but the only other thing to note is we've only played seven hands. So I've got no reliable information on anyone other than the buy-in of the tournament, which was probably quite low stakes. There's no reason to believe that this steal is going to work. But steal, I do. Anyway, maybe that's why you've only got 35 big blinds. It's almost certainly. So talk to me about this sitting in my range. Yeah, okay. So, um, right, button, M's over 16, so what I consider the green zone. The button should be raising offsuit cards, eights and upwards. So, and then obviously uh, aces, so ace two. So it's all of the aces, all of the, all of the offsuit aces, all of the suited aces, which means there's probably quite a few kings in there as well. Maybe king four or five upwards, queen, maybe queen seven. He sneaks in there as well, but certainly jack eight is probably the bottom of the range in terms of um, what jack to play. So jack three is quite a bit below. Um, so yeah, this is probably a fold for me, like every time. I don't, you know, it wouldn't have been, you know, a week and a half ago, I could have quite happily opened it thinking, yeah, Jack. But now with my new range skills, I would say this is a fold 100% of the time. Yeah, I agree. One thing I was reading is exactly what you said, where this is quite a bit below. So if we're playing as low as Jack 8 off, if I. I I definitely would have raised in this position, especially if it's micro stakes, you know, we're playing like anything up to say $1, $2 sit and goes. I'd raise this thinking I've got both positional and skill advantage over the other two players, having never played them before. So that could be complete rubbish. But I'd feel I'd have such a skill edge that it doesn't matter that I'm playing um, some rubbish cards because if they re-raise me, I can relentlessly bet any low flop knowing that they're probably playing strong aces if they yeah. just call i'll relentlessly bet any ace flop knowing that they're probably not called with an ace um, and while that some of it's true i'm giving up so much ev playing with crap that i've just got i can't overcome that with a skill edge and even if i do what's the point i'm putting in so much effort to get this tiny extra skill edge when there's areas of my game that that effort really needs to be in that's and there'll not... be easy, there'll be easier spots. Yeah, there'll be exactly easier that. spots than playing two people you haven't really played many hands with yet, with with a, a bit of a junk hand, you know, not knowing if their calling stations are going to call. You know, an ace might hit the flop, and I know you said there that if they just call with this three point one big blind bet, they've probably not got an ace, but they might be called. They might call with ace three, and then an ace hits flop, and they just call it all the way down for who knows maybe their entire stack you know you just don't know like what these players are going to be like these low stakes games uh anything can happen quite literally yeah and so yeah basically that what i should be doing if i really feel that i've got that kind of skill edge is going from jack eight to jack seven and then i do that at different places within the range but the right places as well not just throwing in jack free offsuit which is miles below anything because if i'm throwing in jack free offsuit i should also be throwing in what jack 10 5 offsuit should also be throwing in a six 
offsuit and then all of a sudden it's like well actually how much am i adding in here i'm ad- i'm not adding in an extra five percent because i think i've got a skill edge i'm adding in an extra 20 percent because i'm an idiot um so yeah M- mistakes all rounds but let's see what happens you ready to go to the small blinds let's do it small blinds out they don't want to see my free bet uh, my free big blind bet and i get a call from the bottom so it's exactly what you said that that would normally tell me that they've not got a hand strong enough to raise mm-hmm. so maybe not the very top of their range yeah but a very good player good like they did have that on a balanced range a balanced they'd range they'd have aces and kings yeah they'd, they'd, prob- they'd probably raise like ace king ace queen there i would say and they, they probably should but pairs of kings and pairs of aces definitely that's within there just you know flat flat call because it, it protects the rest of that calling range doesn't it so when they've got yeah. those really strong hands in there as well yeah so we do get a call the big blinds i'm heads up now with the big blinds just a reminder i'm sitting on the button with the monster of jack free offsuit um i don't think it matters but it's the jack of spades free of diamonds the pot is now 6.7 big blinds and the flop comes out as nine of hearts, king of diamonds, king of spades. Okay. So as you can imagine, I've got nothing. And I'm, you've got I'm, nothing, but this, but this is your board. Like to me, this is a definite C betting board. The the king, the king is. You've got loads of kings in your range, and you've got. I think you've got more kings in your range than the villain has. This is. This is definitely a C bet. That's my first thought. Represent sure. it. Maybe even just go sick on it. You know, like it almost doesn't matter. You've got Jack free now. You've done it. You're in the pot. You're representing. And yeah, you know, there's two high cards. The only trouble is he might have the nine. Um, there's probably quite a lot of nines in his range. You know, nine, ten, Jack nine, eight, nine. Um, there's, there's a lot. And that's that is a bit of a problem because he might just look you up all the way to the river. You just don't know. You really don't know. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, I'd assume if he's got a nine, he's holding on to it. Considering it's harder for me to have a king. Um, and he's holding one of the nines. If if he's holding nine, he's holding that nine. So again, it's harder for me to have a nine as well. So he'd be up against a lot of hands he's beating, any of the aces in my range. Other than obviously Ace King, Ace Nine, he's miles ahead of. Um, yeah, no, I fully agree. One thing I was looking at is when this hits my range very hard, the choices are either to bet small because there's just so many hands, which means I I need a lot of bluffs as well, or massively over bet because the because it's also the kind of flop that can hit their range well, well enough to call. And because this is a paired board. If they've hit that nine, they're coming along for the ride. So you might as well bet really big. But that's when you're betting for value, not when you're betting Jack Free off, because they are, they are going to be calling. Um, or you overbet if you feel that that's the only thing they're going to fold to. Um, it's it's tricky. But let's see what the action is because we're all, we're we're in house with the villain. Um, yeah. They do check as they should. All right. Is it range checking? I can't imagine too much there donking within that on that ball. No, I don't I think they need to leave this board alone. This is this is our board really. Don't, 
two kings, two big cars like that. We we need to decide now that we are holding a king and play this. Uh, just imagining we're holding that king, ace king, maybe queen king. Like, let's play it like that. Right, so we've got a king. We've got trip kings with a decent kicker. We want to call here. So we'd be betting maybe two big blinds, two, two point. There you go. You bet two big blinds. So I, so, um, I bet two, exactly two. So that is just under, just over a third. Of, uh, sorry, just under a third of the pot. About a quarter pot. Yeah. Yeah. No, not quarter pot. It's about. It's, about, it's just under. Just uh, just over. Just under a third of the pot. <laughs> uh, we we can re- we can read hands and and agree on what to do, but we can't work out what six point seven divided by two is. <laughs> anyway, um, right. So you you bet just under a third of the pot. I think that's perfect, you know, for the reasons mentioned. We're representing that king now. And if we're going to do this, we need to do it all the way, baby. Let's go for it. What's the villain saying? Villain comes back with a call. So playing passively, but they have calls. So they weren't scared by my initial bet. It wasn't a big bet. So they might be coming along with just ace high, I feel. there's. I'm keeping a lot of their bluffs in with that. But there is a lot of the hands that they would have got to this position and then just mucks because they're junk. Probably stuff like Jack Free they're throwing away at this point. Um, so it has strengthened their range. It's probably done absolutely nothing for my range, especially considering how bad this hand sits within my range. So we then go to a turn and it's the six of clubs. So I'm sitting with the Jack Three offsuit and the board now is nine of hearts, king of diamonds, king of spades, six of clubs. So I've got a spade and a diamond, but they mean nothing. They they meant nothing all along anyway. Okay, it's well, ten. I'm not... Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say ten point seven big blinds now in the in the pot, and I'm the effective stack. With I've still got thirty big blinds back. So if I did have a king. Or if the villain did have a king, now might be the point. Considering the six is probably a brick, it meant nothing to anyone. It's got it, to be a brick. I mean, if he was holding seven eight, for instance, to now give him an open ended, would he have floated the flop with two undercards and a backdoor straight? I just I can't imagine he would have even bothered. Um, that being yeah. said, you know it was a smallish flop bet. He could have floated. I think now's the time to bet. A fair bit bigger i'd probably go three quarter pot yeah i mean it's also the time that if my stack is going to get in the villain's sitting there with let's just say they've got i don't know quads or something like that they've got they've got a, the strongest hand at this point they want all my chips to come in they will have a bit of a hard choice out of, out of a out of position but they need to do something they can't rely on my betting alone to get my stack in because even if I bet water pot, even if I bet pot, it's only just enough to get all the traps in because I've then got to bet the river and not check behind. So I feel that this is probably their opportunity to to show their hand if they've got a monster. Not necessarily, but their action should define what they're doing. I might be a bit wrong or there might be reason, better reasons for them to just be checking. But they do check. So check. it comes back to me. Yeah, I mean, nah. it, it doesn't that doesn't do much for it doesn't tell us a lot, I don't think, because 
if he's if the villain's got a king, then they're going to be slow playing this. You know, they've decided to slow play it, which would look the same as if they've got a nine or I can't think what else they could possibly have. Maybe a, a small pocket pair they might be doing this with as well. Um, so you don't really know. I think whatever they had on the flop, they've still got on the turn with that check. Yeah. I would only be expecting something different if they check raise. So, I mean, that that's the only thing that would be on my mind. So a check behind in this position doesn't change what I feel they might have, but okay. it, stop, it stops bluffing the pot up. So, but I also am quite familiar with if I if I'm not going to bet this street, it kind of is a give up. But then there's there's nothing wrong with that. I'm playing with a no. terrible hand that ca- that at this stage almost can't improve. If a jack comes, I don't I can't bet it with confidence and suddenly think I've got a monster. Um, that being said, that being said, we decided we've got a king and we are playing it like we've got a king. To me, this is a big a biggish bet really represent that king we're like oh great he's called our flop now let's see if we can get you know a big enough bet on the turn to then get our stacking on the river which would be you know let's put eight big blinds in so what are we targeting are we targeting things like ace nine or what about queen jack is that a consideration are we jack nine jack ten sorry yeah i think all of the all of the gut shot straights um, yeah. I think we target in. So, yeah, you've got 10 jack, 10 queen, queen jack. The nines, I think we're going to be really in a bad place. He, I think he might fold some nines on the turn. If oh, I don't know. That's quite hard. Maybe the river jam would be, would be enough to get him off of uh, any nines possibly but it's a real risk this is just starting to feel like a really sketchy hand to me it's like let's oh but yes the thing we can't just bet the turn and then if he calls it don't jam the river it's if we're repping the king we've got rep the king all the way i think the jam on the river would fold some of the nines it would fold pairs lower than nines in his holding um and then certainly the gut shots if they miss um a folding to a jam on the end uh why did you raise with jack three off two on the button team so we've got 10.7 big blinds in the pot it is checked to me so i do continue i do say that this board is still good for my range my my thinking at this point is that I would never let this go for a check behind with any of my value. So now I've got my bluff, of which, I mean, I need quite a lot of bluffs because I've, I've, I'm, that board's fairly good for me. You know, just forgetting the fact that this isn't that. I, I feel that I, I have to at least try here. On the assumption that I can read the river to see, you know, did did any of the straights or flushes come in? Well, there is no flushes, sorry, it's rainbow. So if did any of the straights come in, have the has the villain passively checked to me yet again? At which point, you, I've got to assume if they check the river, they've got to have a mediocre hand at best because that's just too risky. Um, 
you, you've left my bluffs in my hands at this point but now you kind of want to get the rest of my chips in I, I feel that that with no other reads I feel that would be too wild with a mediocre hand that is um so as you said something with something like ace nine um queen nine I'd consider the mediocre hands that had come this far but would probably bet the river if it's a brick so if it's checked to me I probably I'd, I'd have confidence that they've only got a mediocre hand and then I'd just close my eyes and pick a bet yeah. so 3.2 big blinds into a 10.7 big blind pot so you bet a third pot villain says okay let's do some of that and calls so we do we do get to a river okay 17 big lines in the pot we've got nine of hearts king of diamonds king of spades the turn is a six of clubs and the river is a four of hearts so it okay. is the brick none of the straights got in there was no flushes anyway i couldn't imagine they're ever playing anything they're not playing king four nine four six four i don't believe so only i feel po- that only pocket fours only only pocket fours which you think, which you may think that far? Yeah, i'd find it hard to believe they called the turn actually with with pocket fours but you never know you never know maybe though pocket sixes um that floated the flop hit trips on the or sorry hit a boat on the turn when they when their six came in um, and then thought, right, I'm going to slow play, play the hell out of it now and let this guy keep betting into me. So I think pocket sixes are, are in there. But I also think pocket sevens and pocket eights are, are still in there because they were happy to call the flop. The six changes nothing. So like if they've got sevens or eights, so they'd probably call the turn as well. So I think that's still in there. Um, yeah. One thing's for sure, though, we have got nothing. We are we we're air, man. We're this either is, folding yeah. or raising to get folds, aren't we? Like there is, is no other choices. We're not outright bluff. Now. There is no. I can't even put any of their hands that we're bluff catching at this stage because even Jack Ten's beating us. <laughs> so like that is probably the lowest hand I would put them on realistically calling to uh, the the flop and the turn. So something like seven six. I don't think it's calling that or eight, seven, eight, six or eight, seven. I just I can't see them calling the flop um, with undercards and a pair out there to then pick up a draw with a six, which then misses. Like I just can't ever see him get into that stage. Um, I am not beating anything that they're holding unless like nothing. Actually, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I don't think they have a range that I beat in any way or form so i i either give up which ain't a bad which probably isn't isn't the worst if they suddenly come alive i actually think you should give up i think i think your your turn bet might have been uh too small and now a big bet on the river looks really suspect um i don't know though it could could get false it depends if he's we don't know this villain if he's, you know, if he's not overly a thinking player, he might just be like, oh, he's only bet two big blinds. Oh, he's only bet 3.2 big blinds. Oh, yeah, he's, bet, he's, bet, he's bet 12 big blinds fold. Do you know what I mean? He, he could be he could be that. And maybe a nice big bet now is, is going to get rid of even his nines. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is because my hand is so, so crap and it, I'm in the unusual stage that, I 
can't be anything that they've got in my opinion I've got, they've got no bluffs they've got nothing that's none of their even their draws probably aren't getting this far but without beating me in showdown my showdown value my equity might be zero in at this point if we could see our cards yeah. therefore a big bet even if i get some folds is a massive ev game um yeah and that's desire that's a lot more desirable than it normally would be so if i was playing ace free and i got this far the ace having enough showdown value even queen free would have just enough showdown value that a check behind might be the best play whereas with no check i've got no showdown value so any bet that yields any folds is quite a quantifiable risk versus reward so if i felt another quarter bet would get folds from better hands i'm getting ev from them hands because every hand he's got is better than mine yeah. does that make sense so there yeah, is value absolutely. in betting on the end even if i don't oh, think yeah, it'll yeah, be very for successful sure. for sure yeah no i think yeah we probably have just got to go all the way with this we decided on the flop that we've got a king and that's what we're representing yeah so the only question then is does he have folds and if so are there any what is the lowest amount of chips i need to put in to get folds from his worst hands that's where i'm i need to pitch this next bet because there's no point me betting 10 10 big blinds into a 17 big blind pot if that risk isn't going to get additional folds that's going to be enough compared yeah, to and equally you've got to bet big enough to not give him the odds to call so it's a tough one because jam yeah. feels a bit too big but even so a that... pot size bet isn't going to kill him but this is it if i bet say four big blinds i think i'm getting called by all of his air pretty much i don't think oh there, yeah no there, there is I'll a be, chance one you've got a yeah. polarized tone you've got to you've got to be going well, you've got to be feel, going pot even 1.2 times pot i do feel that something like queen jack would be folding but there's not there's i just don't think there's enough in his range like i don't know i just don't have enough confidence that a, a very small bet's going to do anything but it's trying to work up from there because obviously the bigger our rate the bigger our raise the bigger risk it is so i need more of his range to fold and that becomes problematic when i can't my hand doesn't stand up to any scrutiny so i need 100 percent folds and i need to find that i'm getting folds from 100 percent of the hands that i wanted to and i've i've risked the smallest amount of chips for the biggest dv gain so you know what though i don't i just don't think there's any amount of chips he won't call i think he'll call anything you reckon i feel, I feel like if he's got this far he's got a nine or he's got pocket eights and pocket sevens and if he's already decided to go for it i mean you know, i mean you, you don't cover him but i suppose you would cripple him down to 12 big blinds if he called with say like jack nine yeah the fact that i've got a jack does block some of the hands i wanted him to have at this point as well mm, but then yeah. queen 10 i i i personally think king 10 queen 10 had come this far queen jack would definitely come yeah um, in which case jack if, you're, 10. if you're just if you're just targeting the busted gut shots then you could probably bet six big blinds and in fold 
So that should be what my target is. I'm I'm only targeting yeah, them. I don't. I think that's a really good shout actually. That you're targeting the gut shots. You can't you can't expect him to fold a nine because you quite frankly I think you could jam and he still call it with two kings on the board. It's hard for you to have one. So yeah, let's go six or seven big blinds. You reckon a three three big blinds? What what is three big blinds like, saying? Is is that is three big blinds saying I think you're folding almost all your hand, but would you call this one last bet? Or are they gonna look at it and think I've got queen high, but I'm not throwing away 20 big blinds for free. Yeah, that's the risk. I think there's if you go too low, it just becomes, uh, oh, well, you know, I can't not call just in case this guy's, you know, bluffing with jack three off suit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you need to go at least, I think you need to go, you, yeah, you need to get the lowest uh, bet size that does the same job, but let's make sure we do the job. Let's go seven big blinds. And this is all on the assumption that passive check call, check call villain doesn't bet out. If they do bet out, it's instant fold, right? There is no over jam or anything like that. I, I personally would, I'd never be, I mean, I'd never be confident enough to jam over the top. So I I would fold 100%. I mean, if he, if he bet now, that does change things. If he bet now, it that actually puts some more that puts some more but i think that makes him have more chance of having a busted gut shot yeah um yeah possibly if he bet it might be actually right okay let's jam but it, equally it could be he's just trying to get some extra value now because he's been slow playing a king yeah. i don't think he'd bet out with a nine i think he's just hoping to pot control with his nines and seven pocket sevens, pocket eights, pocket eights. Yeah. E- even possibly like pocket tens. No, you know what? Pocket tens upwards, he wouldn't have called. He'd have, I think, he'd have three bet you on uh, pre flop. So he's not got that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think we need to reevaluate a little bit. It wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out, but probably, again, it's really high risk because I think he would be. But I bet if he bets, villain bets on the end here, he's polarising. He's either got a king and he's getting value or he's got a busted gut shot, probably. He's, yeah. But he's not got a nine. If he checks, then he's probably got a nine or still maybe a busted gut shot and he's just not wanting to bluff with it, in which case he would fold. So then you're kind of left with, if he checks, he's either got a nine or a busted gut shot and I don't know exactly how many combos there are, but there are slightly less because you hold the jack, which is a blocker. Mm. It's probably 50-50-ish, I bet. I bet it's 50-50. And then it becomes a really marginal, indifferent kind of, should he, you know, should you, should you bluff it or, or should you not? Because half the time he'll call with his nine and half the time he'll fold with his busted gut shot. Yeah. Is that like I suddenly become the king in the ace king queen game? What's that? Yeah, the ace king queen like where they've either got an ace or a queen. Is the yeah? It's, I think it's yes. the thinking poker podcast like to go into the ace king queen game is a a way of you're in the middle of their yeah, polarization. Yeah. So exactly. without yeah, so without for other information to lean you one way or the other. Okay, should we see what he does? Yeah, we'll see. Do. 
He checks. Ooh, checks. He's gone for three streets of checkies. Now it's so, now the time then. Are you, are you, do, you, do you take one last stab? Whether he's got the, you know, and I'm putting my eggs in either the, he's got a nine or a busted gut shot basket, but, you know, let's simplify and say that's kind of the two types of hands he would have here. Yeah. Um, my, my feeling at this stage is that 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 flop you either hit it really well or you kind of hit it lame um as in you know i'd consider ace nine hitting it well like you said they're probably not folding ace nine i do think if they've got something silly like a nine three they they might fold so i reckon in this position i don't know what my last action was i can't remember but i was i would be taking some proper gusto and probably betting it um let's see if i do just <laughs> completely give up on the hand let's see what but you said six big blinds that's where you pitched it six or seven yeah that's so it. just before the last action we've got the board is nine of hearts king of diamonds king of spades turn comes the six of clubs and the flop uh, the river comes the four of hearts and i'm sitting there with jack three off so rainbow board or pretty much and I've got absolute nothing, and I don't believe I'm even beating their worst possible hands. So I give up on the hand completely, and I just check. Oh, you just check. What's what's the villain got here? I didn't. Yeah. Now, now in the light of day, I can see the errors of my way, and they turned over. Okay. Pocket threes. Pocket threes. They called Three. two streaks of value. With nothing more than second worst pair. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty. Um, pretty bold. But then this, what I mean, maybe a bigger turn bet would have would have shook him. Because then yeah. if had a, a six, would have been another overcard. I think he'd have been. He'd have struggled to to put in three, you know, seven or eight big blinds on the turn. Possibly. Yeah. But anyway, hey ho. I mean, this is the the thing that strikes me at this point is that it does expose the villain for not having any idea of how good that flop could have been for my range. That most of my hands are made up with things like king eight, king nine, king ten, king queen, and then queen nine, know, jack nine. If he if he knows that you know that, then he knows that you could be just playing. The board because it suits your range yeah but Even then those you know you've got to pick, like you've got to pick your ranges and the fact that he just called pre-flop is poor he should be he should be folding or free betting with freeze there's no you're not going to realize equity out of position with that low pocket pair that's just put you're throwing money away even again even mm. if you're daniel negrano you're not making profit on a pair of freeze out of the big blinds just calling in that so I'd, I'd probably call it just with the sole intention of either hitting a set of threes or folding if I don't get it. But I fall into the same trap where you think, oh, I'll just see if I hit a three. It doesn't come. But the flop's kind of, well, you know what? It's two kings, makes it less likely to have one. You could have the nine. Maybe my threes are good. Oh, he's only bet a couple of big blinds. Oh, I'll float it. And then he's managed to get all the way to the river with it. Yeah, I've I've been in that situation. It doesn't make it right, but you know when you're a bit deeper. Well, 
early uh, on in the tourney, sometimes these that things is, happen. I can agree with the play, but not out of position. Because even when you hit, yeah. how, how do you realise your value? How do you know that the other players aren't just going to fold behind? You want to be in position to, to mine that set and really extract your value. Because mm-hmm. if you've got a bet at, you know, you say the board comes, say that nine was a free, you, do you check and hope that I raise or do you bet out and hope you get a call? Either way, you, you, you're just hitting massive, you know, second nuts and yeah. you still don't know what to do. Um, you still don't, you know, if both of both of your possible actions can yield a loss. Well, not a loss, just not the gain that you want. So again, yeah, heads up as well. You, you know, we want to do it multi-way because others are more likely to wake up with something. So yeah, but I, I think that the villain didn't appreciate my range and the fact that it's not so much that my range was stronger. It's the fact that the small bets that I was doing was representative of any of the good value hands that I had, even though I've done this with air, that shouldn't matter to the, to the pair of threes. They're not winning enough of the Jack free off suits that I'm playing to beat the massive array of hands that I'm also doing this with that, they're losing badly to and they've just lost quite a lot of chips i mean it's you know so it's that eight and a half big blinds they've lost it's not a lot of chips but they've lost all of them chips for chase i don't they're not chasing anything they're just hoping that i've missed the yeah. flop turn and river it just if seems you, a if bit you did have a king though i think on that turn i think you'd be an extremely disciplined player to only bet you know like a third of the pot or whatever it was like you by that point, you know, you've had a call on the flop, you know, they're quite they're, they're, you know, they're coming along. That's when you'd be like, right, let's get some value out of this trip kings I've got now. And I do feel like the term bet was a little bit telling, personally. Yeah, possibly. I don't feel that the freeze were the, the hands to get to bluff catch that, though. I feel that hand, you know, even a, a pair of you know, seven six is beating freeze as a bluff catcher. I feel that the bluff catchers are pitched above that. But at the same time, I'm sitting here having lost the hands to the pair of freeze. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. good, good move to them. All oh. right. Lovely. Great hand, Tang. Thanks for that. And sure. we've got another one, right? Yeah. Do you want to get straight in? Now, this one yeah, might be a lot quicker. Yeah, let's go for it. To flip things on its head, this is a better hand. This is a hand that's... It's still on the edge of where my range should be. I have made a small adjustment because I shouldn't be playing this hand necessarily at a position. But at the same time, at the stake I'm at, my adjustment is to go one step lower, which I think we said, I was saying this earlier. So I'm sitting in under the gun plus one. There's eight people around the table. Um, oh, sorry, nine people at the table. So there is still quite a lot of people to act behind me. And I'm sitting with Queen Eight of Clubs. Now, I believe Queen Nine of Clubs is in the GTO opening range at this point. Yeah. Not Queen Eight. But again, this is micro stakes fairly fairly early on. So everyone around the table has got 63 big blinds or more. So the effective stack is 60, 70, everyone's playing pretty much average stack at this point. Um, it's also when I'm playing a lower level, I do play a slightly wider range. But it, if I'm doing it right, it's exactly this. I go from queen nine suited 
to queen eight suited so i go from ace five off to ace four off and just include yeah, them tiny cool. little extras yeah that definitely. just open it up with, bit. yeah with reasons and yeah i might add in a suited connector below what i'd normally do but that that was the idea here so we are sitting nine-handed um i'm under the gun plus one everyone's got roughly the same stack uh it would get a fold from the under the gun player and i raise you might be recognized it bit 3.1 so obviously that's a button i've got yeah. now i've adjusted this since then because i tend to raise small up early whether that's right or wrong i think there's actually a, a debate about if there's any benefit because you want to raise bigger because people are less likely to call but the problem with that out of position is that pre-flop you're much more likely to get three bet and four bet and raising big makes it artificial it artificially inflates the pot to the point that it's really difficult for you to play with most of your range so you'll end up being left with only your premium hands and it's obvious what you've got because even you know if it's a three four bet pot you can't be calling with even your ace five suited or you 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 could but you're out of position you might be multi-way so i've i've settled on raise it small if someone does free bet i can then sorry if, yeah if someone does free bet i can actually comfortably four bet without over committing too many chips yeah. and that will get a lot of folds even from the free better that it overcomes my positional disadvantage whereas if i bet big and i get free bet and as I said, even if there's a if there's a four bet, all of a sudden I might even build in. So I've downsized this. But at the moment, I'm sitting under the gun plus one, and it is 3.1 big blinds. Uh, we get folds all the way around to the button, and they call us 3.1 big blinds, and the big blind also calls. So okay. we're multi-weight three of us in the pot and the pot is now 11.15 big blinds so 11 big blinds essentially and the under the gun play uh, sorry the big blind is the effective stack but they've still got 71 big blinds back so we're deep it, we're really deep we should be playing premium hands in this point we should be very conscious about building the pot if we hit a monster and very cautious about building too much of a pot with top pair for instance but let's see how it pans out um we go to the big blinds and they check so it goes to us okay. and the flop oh sorry i didn't say what the flop was so the flop comes down as the seven of spades queen of hearts jack of spades and i'm sitting in under the gun plus one with queen of heart clubs eight of clubs so i've missed my clubs okay. entirely but i have hit top you pair so this isn't a premium hand multi-way i wouldn't say um queen king is queen aces but queen eight is kind of good and you definitely want to continue and i would say you probably want to bet as well you were the pre-flop aggressor but i think it needs to be pretty small it needs to be quite small anyway because it's because it's multi-way um and especially so that it's you know in fact i don't even mind just checking this um i think there are better queens out there on the button you know queen 10 queen nines calling queen jack with two pair um even queen king i think would just be calling 
So there's a lot of better queens, you know, for pop control and to allow the button to play his position and maybe take a bit of a bluff, even if he's not got a queen, um, is beneficial as well. So I don't mind checking here, but equally a small bet of maybe one third or even a bit smaller, maybe even a quarter pot bet is probably my two options there. Cool. Two questions. There's three of us in the pot. I was early position. Then we've got the button and then the big blind who is getting a fairly decent press to call. Who has the range advantage? And closely followed by that is the big blind checking range. Are they checking everything at that point? Yes. I would say it's probably um, pretty good for your, your range. In all fairness, I mean, the Queen and the Jack are broad, two broadways and a seven. Uh, you know, you've got you've got some gut shots that are in the, the button and the big blinds ranges more than more so than yours. Maybe more so, maybe not. You, you've got you've got King tens in your range. You've got Ace ten, Ace yeah. King. So that's this is I think this is your range, yeah. I think this is your range, and it does it does warrant a, a C bet. Just I think a small one, two players in. Sure. So I am conscious conscious of the the draw, but I'm also conscious I'm probably the only player with queens and jacks as my possible holdings. I believe both the button and the big blind would be raising queens or jacks, especially what? against an early position okay. open. Well, so yeah, pocket queens, queens or pocket jacks. So okay. sitting there with a set, uh, which would be you know the effective nuts with either of their hands. I I I don't think either player has that. So no, I think you've definitely got the, the nut advantage. Yeah, cool. So I feel I would be betting here most of the time. I do appreciate the the check as well. Um, I feel like in a multi-way pot, I am there's a good chance I'm ahead. Not strong i don't feel that i'm guaranteed to be ahead by any means but i also do feel i need to deny a bit of equity to that draw so a pet not too much of a bet because all of a sudden the pot will start looking enticing if it gets a call so someone with that if yeah you know, i'm trying to deny equity to say the big blind i raise quite big and then the button calls quite big as well all of a sudden they're getting a nice they're getting a good price to be calling that flush draw so i do choose to bet so we had a fold from the big blind, uh, bold fold. We had a check from the big blinds and they brought it around to me. I've bet exactly a third pot, but I think that is 3.35 big blinds. It's a into bit, a bit under a third. But I actually, yeah, I really like the 30%. size. Yeah, 28 or something. Yeah. So I feel that's denying enough equity to the range of hands that do have spades out there. Let's see what action we get. Goes to the button who calls and the big blind who elects to fold despite getting quite a tasty press. So we are now heads up and I am early. I'm the first to act. There is just shy of 18 big blinds in the pot. And just a reminder that we had the seven of spades, queen of hearts, jack of spades. And the turn comes a five of hearts. I'm right. sitting first to act with 
Queen of Clubs, Eight of Clubs. Again, our stacks are still sitting well over 70 big blinds. So if I, for some reason, thought I wanted to get stacks in here, I've got to do an insane amount of work. So I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we are just going for small value, but yeah. showdown value as well. There's also two two flushes out there now. So someone who didn't even have the flush draw might have now woken up with one, and neither of them on my flush draw. So that's now on my mind also. But I'm again, my my conscious thought here is that a check would look weak. And the fact that there's two flush drawers out there might embolden all of the bluffs in the villain range to come alive. And I would. I might call with my top pair. Rough kicker. But I'd also probably have some folds in me as well. Um, there's a lot that could be not just a little bit ahead, but could be destroying me. Yeah, it's really tricky because you you don't. I mean, you, you kind of you kind of want him to bluff, but then how big a bet do you? How big a bluff do you call <laughs> with your with your queen pair of queens and you know, eight kicker? But, One of Equally, you don't want to build a big pot, you know, and you could yeah. you could bet trying to block him bluffing too big to make it a really tough decision for you. Um, and it have the opposite effect and that making the pot much bigger for the river when he misses his flush and then does bet massive. And, you know, or, or the spades and the hearts or the hearts come in and then he bets big and represents it, you know, and I think whatever happens, this feels like it's going to be a tough um river and for that reason i think i would I, I think a bet or a check is good still i still kind of don't mind either but i would start leaning towards a check for for pot control i don't think a bet now would be a blocking bet that kind of stops him bluffing too much i think it's just going to build the pot and then he'll still bluff bluff massive on the river should he miss yeah it i mean with a two-time board it does also with two broadway cards it kind of sets up a i don't know the significance of this like a kind of a, a joint nut draw possibility so if they were sitting there with ace jack even though i'm still beating it with my queen eight if they've got ace jack of hearts they're now drawing to the absolute nuts with aces and out as well any aces and out and they've got the jack already and similarly, if they were sitting there with the ace queen, if that was ace queen of spades, not only have they got me crushed, but they've also got me multi crushed. You know what I mean? So it, it, I've now lost, all, I could have lost one of my eights as an out as well. Um, so it's not, it, it, it means that I'm really struggling to improve against any either of them hands. There's, it, it creates a lot more problems for me, given that any of their ace hands could now be nutted um yeah. if that draw even comes in it could be that I, I can bet knowing that the most likely hands that i'm struggling against could be you know if a brick comes i might not be too bad so is, is ace where did you land of, is ace queen of three bet so uh, pre-flop off suit probably um we are pretty deep, an ace queen 
does it perform it performs better at in position the only thing is ace queen Queen of spades for instance like you were saying where you've got that top pair ace kicker drawing that flush of spades i think i don't know yeah i don't know if he's or not that's what i need to learn uh it feels like it might be a free bet though i i think that there's a chance that might be in the protection range per se so you call with that as one of your really strong hands that you know so you're not only calling with the weak stuff yes yeah, because sure. ace queen suited performs so well post flop because the most of the hands that i'm raising with ace queen is either dominating or is fairly equal to uh, there's only you know the only things that it's not doing well is queen's aces or ace king um everything else that's well within my range my opening range it's really doing well against all of my aces which is a massive part of it it's dominating it might be dominating every one of the suited hands at this stage so yeah um it might be well within their play that that is a good check at that point as a yeah protecting their protecting their calling range so i wouldn't rule it out but i also feel that the villain's plan with a hell of a lot of other stuff that yeah. might have got this far okay so where, where did you land was it a, where did, did, you, did you are you feeling better or are you feeling checky check check him right i'm the hero i've got top pair and i choose to bet i smash it straight in because i'm relentless um that is something i'm working on i i i, I think i would bet 100 percent of the time there whether that's the right move or not i just I get it. so I feel that I'm out of position and I've got no choice. But like, I feel that if I check, I have to fold to most of their big bets. Uh, so bet, bet and show the strength so that if I feel that like I want to go wild and raise over the top, I've still got top pair and I'm, that might be good at that point. Um, so yeah, the pot's 17.85 and my raise is 5.35 and I'm gonna guess that's 30% pot again maybe just under yeah no it is it's 30 percent pop and i know that's 30 percent. i've got a button that says 30 percent on it so 30 percent oh, pop yeah yeah what are we most like what what is our most favored act do we actually want to call from the villain do we want to yeah. fold do we want yeah, we to i mean obviously a raise call. is bad news i think it's a call here it, like you can start ruling out things like two pair now like there's two flush draws on the board he'd want to protect queen jack Jack seven suited. He'd want to protect all of that. So yeah, I think if if he calls, you know you're probably ahead, except maybe to King Queen and Queen Ten, possibly Queen Nine. Yeah. And they wouldn't have bet the, the flop if they've not got the right if they're not playing uh, on the flop, they're not playing spades. King Queen, maybe with a single spade, the King of Spades, they might have just called. Us I Yeah, but they still had the big blind to act behind them. So allowing two players to come in with a flush out there. I feel that the king-queen isn't a possibility. I like what you're saying about the two pair. Just working out what we are targeting and how much. Yeah, I think we're targeting all the jacks. We're We're targeting all the jacks. I think there's even, you know, it's possibly calling with some sevens although that's hard to believe i think um 
Yeah, we're targeting Jacks, aren't we, really? Yeah. I would say there is a chance we're targeting his 9-10. Yeah. He's, he's king, king, I don't mind King-10 at this point. I also feel that I don't mind his either flushes coming for the ride. Um, my my plan would be that if I feel that I'm targeting the draws, when they if a brick comes, um, I'm checking to induce that bluff. Yeah. Um, that that I think would be my plan, whether that would be the right plan or not. Um, that's that's my action. That's what I intend to do. But I'm betting here. Hope if he if he raises me, I'd probably fold. Okay. Um, not certain, but I probably would. And if he calls, there's a lot of there's a lot of draws though that he'd be bluffing with if he did raise you here. Like all the all the gut shot straights, he's, there's now two flush draws on the board. There's a hell of a lot of there's a hell of a lot of bluffs if he does raise you. It's more that he's got. I'm not sure if his value is very is to raise here as a bluff. Uh, does he not want to try to realise that equity better? Does he not get more value by if he's playing like a combo draw, he's better to be calling so that when that comes in, he's getting extra he's getting extra value. A raise here is was getting rid of all my bluffs. Especially mm. as he might then just be getting called by whatever's beating him. Um okay, we'll see let's see what the action okay. is. All right. We, I digress. So the pot's 17.85, you bet 5.35. To make the pot. So the pot would, yeah, pot goes up to 23 big blinds and we do get a call from the button. So another example of a passive check, uh, well, not check there, just just call call. Um, that, it's not that it rings alarm bells, but it does give me some trepidation. Like someone who's sleeping sleeping with a monster, you know. Let's just say they got the other two queens. It's probably the only thing you can imagine they would want to do. He would have three bet with pocket queens, pocket jacks. He could have a set of sevens. But yeah, or something like that. Yeah, a set of sevens. A set of sevens would be an no. Well, this is one of the the funky GTO things that I adore. The counterintuitive things. If you're sitting there with a pair of queens and a pair of jacks, you're actually incentivized to check because the hands you want to bring along and induce bluffs from are ace queen, ace jack. Whereas if you're playing with a set of sevens, you can bet out with complete abandon because the best hands that are coming for the ride, you've not blocked. You've got the ace queen still in there. You've got the ace jack, you've got queen jack. So bet, bet, bet with your bottom set you're blocking nothing whereas if you've got queens and jacks you're blocking everything you know you're blocking all the two pairs you're blocking all of the um ace queen you know ace queen ace jacks you probably you're just hoping for straight draws you're not going to get much value out of them especially if it don't come in so yeah pair of sevens is proper really scary at this point although that should be betting it should be betting good it probably it would have got calls from me so bet, bets would have been good but that's not to say they're not the type of player who will sit on a pair of sevens and rub their hands together thinking i'm going to make millions here okay so the pot is now good sitting at 28.5 big blinds just a reminder that i'm sitting early position with queen eight of clubs although the clubs are irrelevant now the flop came seven of spades queen of hearts jack of spades turn was the five of hearts and then 
a very complicated card falls down the eight of hearts so it's a small hooray i've just hit two pair followed by a, a real wet blanket of oh it's made any flush draw that they could have been playing yeah and there's that it, you know it was only ever a black a back door but if he did have something like king jack of hearts would play exactly this way you know and he's yeah. got he had the jack on the Harry Jackson a flop with King Kiko and then he's picked up the flush draw and he's happy to keep going and now Array he's he's flush. There are there are some worrying holdings, but I think there's also a lot of just jacks that have come along. Um, you know, there are those queens that beat you, the Queen Nine, Queen Ten, Queen King, they you know, now we hope they've got those because <laughs> we yeah. we're 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 suddenly ahead. So uh, this is to me. This is pot control. We we check with the intention of calling. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, just as much, a small, pretty much anything because he's got so. I think he's got more busted straight draws than he has actual heart flushes here. I think he's he's got you know uh, that flush. This that's a perfect bluff on the end if he's got king ten, for instance, and he was chasing that open ended straight draw, but just so happened a third heart hits the ball on the river. That's a perfect card for him to just bluff at, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, just as more consideration, the nine ten just made it. I don't know mm -hmm. how much that actually. No, that was an open ender on the flop. They very much would be playing nine ten, exactly how they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got there. So that, that I think I think that one would be pretty disciplined as well because although they'd be like, oh great, I've hit a straight, the flush is still there. Yeah, so. Of course. Although it is a backdoor flush, it's not it's not the same as the spades coming in. It's a bit different, but yeah, and um, exactly that. You, if they've seen the flush, a check might get a check behind. It's a, it's not a crying call. If they expecting them to bet, they might be checking that straight, thinking, Ooh, any other eight, and I'll I'll be doing well here. Um, I'd be happy if he I if I, if I check, and he checks behind, I'd be happy. If he bets anything, even up to pot, I think I'd be happy to call and then just, yeah, I hope I've got it. I think this is just pot control now. But maybe a blocking bet, but I'd rather, no, I'd rather not. I'd rather keep the the bluffs in his range. And if he's going to bet, it not just be with the flush and that actually there's loads of busted straights in there as well. So yeah, I would check here with the intention of calling pretty much anything within reason. Cool. And you don't feel that there are enough hands that I'm beating that would still call a third? Uh, there's all the jacks. Street. There's, are there's... they are they calling with everything that's out there now? I mean, obviously Jack Eight will probably be calling, but that's such that's a specific hand. That, that's the thing. It's a good question you ask because I don't think there are loads of hands that you beat that would actually call. So you'd be betting and only be getting called by better. So I mean, no, that's not, that's not entirely true. Sorry. I've, sorry, you've got two pair. There, there, there's queens that would call you. There is king queen would call, I think. Yeah, ace queen. I forgot. <laughs> Just, ace queen, it, yeah. I we do block like that. Three pair. I but, feel like yeah, I feel like, yeah, there's some queens. Uh, so maybe it's another borderline one, but I do kind of feel like this is a check check call. All right, let's see what me being the hero does. I, of course I bet. I told you I bet with abandon. I've got no I've got no first gear. 
So I have bet, uh, I'm going to guess that's 30% pot again. So I've gone 30%, 30%, 30%. Um, you can tell I'm getting trigger happy with that button. It might be that I can't see the other buttons, including check. And that's the only button I've got left at my disposal. So the pot is now 37 big blinds. I am still sitting with 56 big blinds back. So there's no real worry about jams over the top. So there is still maneuverability if I do get raised here. And maybe that might have been my thought process. I actually don't mind if I get called. I feel that there's enough bluffs in his range that even if he bets over the top, I can call it. Um, and I'll just take it on the chin if I'm losing to his flushes. And I'll just, but I'm going to be beating a lot more with that range, with that bet. Just because things like the straight would probably just be calling that most Jack 5 and the other Jacks are just calling. Um, and that there's even a possibility that a pair of fives is folding in this position, something like that. Um, I mean, you've got to be a fairly good player at these stakes to be folding a set of fives just because you're worried that there's now a flush out there and a straight. Be a pretty bad player. What if you call if, if you if you folded a set of fives here, I think that'd be bad. There's there is a lot that beats you, but I'm not giving you too much of a price to take a pump. Um I feel that you'd be trying to bluff catch or if you're feeling bold, raise over the chop. I don't know what better you'd get to fold though. Um so let's have a look. What do you think the villain does? I don't know. I reckon he calls you. He's been calling all the way. Cool, 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 cool. He does, he calls. So he's got Queen Ten. Yeah. I don't know what these stats mean. Um apparently I'm I've got eight, eighty-nine percent equity at this point. I don't know why it thinks that. Um, I'm just looking at my poker tracker for anyone listening in because I've only just noticed it says that and I don't know how it would ever know the villains. 11% unless it thinks that Queen 8 is winning against their entire range um it just seems strange anywho let's move on we finished the we finished with 45.65 big blinds in the pot I started with a hand that is in my range so it could perform better although it still was tricky out of position you ready for the big reveal yeah what we got I'm big guessing reveal? Queen 10 though you're going Queen 10 It's going to be saying absolutely baffling. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, it was nine, nine, seven. nine, seven of clubs. Never, they were never playing the flush draw. They were never playing the straight draw. They were playing bottom pair. Well, bottom pair yeah. on the flop. Bottom pair with a nine kicker. Uh, yeah, I, that's. I think that's quite a bad. Uh, I think that's quite bad from the button. He's. I don't mind his call. Nine seven suited, he's in position, but do something better with it than just call all the way down with like third best pair against two opponents on the flop. You know, I just think that wasn't great play from the villain, but that's great news for you. Um, well done for the value bet on the end. Oh yeah, I think I'd have, I'd have been more cautious, but it definitely worked out for the best. Yeah, I think this shows the value in two things first of all that these quarter bets especially at crap stakes are going to get calls from things that we we never at any stage put their calling range on something like bottom pair after the flop we just assumed it weren't going to happen but the other thing is that nine seven is in the buttons 
hauling range, I believe, at that point, but not for the reasons that they've then displayed. It's the, the reason 97 is good is because it can heavily connect with the board or it's not you've got no problem throwing it away. You know, you, all right, you've hit bottom pair. Yeah, you've either got don't, mean, just, don't just call, call, call. You gave him, you know, you kept it in 30% pot. You gave him the price to stay in, I suppose. But, you know, once you're kind of fourth best pair on the board, <laughs> you, know, you're, and... you, you know, there's, yeah, there's a flush out there. The straights come in. I, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't see this was the best. I don't, know it's it's I don't I don't know what he thought you would be betting just you know under a third of the pot on the river with that he beat you know because it was not a great bluff is it what with with the only card on the board that you've paired would be the five yeah and he was calling that so I think it was a particularly bad call by the villain here I mean the other thing is that He's got position, and even though I'm playing top pair, there were times that I'd consider folds. Even with two pair on the river, there are times that I'd consider folds. I, I probably would call with two pair. I, I, it might be a crying call, but I'd consider a fold. And if I if I had the wrong feels about it, I probably would fold. They, they, they if they're gonna play bottom pair use it to your advantage like try and you can't bluff catch like that surely he, he, can't needed, be to, your own... he needed to turn it into a bluff on the river he yeah. should have realized when you bet a gain on the river you know you've three barreled this he must know he's behind with his his pair of sevens fourth best pair with a nine kicker he needed to turn that into a bluff the, the flush got there albeit yeah. a backdoor flush from the flop um, but the straight got there, you know, and he could easily represent nine ten on that flop for sure. You know that he should he should have turned it into a bluff and bet big. Calling's yeah. calling's baffling. Calling doesn't make sense. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, just one one thing that I thought of, which again strengthens the he should be bluffing on the end, is that my turn and uh, my flop and turn bets surely couldn't have been with the intention of chasing a backdoor. So what am I betting with that also managed to get lucky with a flush on the end? I mean, you're only really looking at ace seven of hearts or ace jack of hearts. Now, while both are plausible, everything else in my range missed that flush. So when I continue the exact same size bet as though I'm trying to tell the exact same story I've been telling since the off, you know, you've got enough backs that you can make an informed bluff and it it could have, it would have been successful. If that, say for instance, that eight was a, I don't know, a nine or a six, I'm folding that. I reckon, I don't think I've got it in me to be calling just, just a single queen, no kicker essentially. And yeah. Then you're you're validated in plan position with nine seven because even though you've hit your seven, you're not you're turning it into a bluff, but you're doing it properly. The only thing I would say is that especially down um down our local pub game, one of the things that I've noticed is that now I've started playing, I'm trying to construct my bluffs with things like double back doors. Players have noticed when I hit one of them back doors and I've got something really silly. But it's not silly. It's a genuine, you know, it's 
I think what was the hand the other day? It was eight, uh, ten, eight. Uh, yeah, sorry, eight six of clubs. But I was in the big blind, and it, I don't. There was one limper, and basically by the end of it, I'd hit my club draw. Um, no, I'd hit my straight draw. Sorry, excuse me. So I'd hit my straight draw, and then they turned over and went, "Oh, you were chasing that the whole way down. Oh God, well, look what you're playing. Can't believe you raised with, you know, eight six suited. Blah 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 blah. Not realizing. And I'm sitting there thinking, at every stage, I was just playing abc poker with my abc range i was betting because i had i i, I had range advantage i had so you know, everything that i was doing was for a very good reason the best bit though is that because they've seen me do this with silly hands i'm now seeing the other side of building a real good balance range that i'm now getting paid off on my super value absolutely that's so it. now and I can. If you, I, if you can play a wider range well, then yeah, when those big hands come in, people just pay you off. Yeah, I felt bad about it because I took out one of the players at the weekend. Who you know, they they're getting on for years and they go there and they just want a good game. But they they made it so obvious they had an ace. So when I'm sitting there with my set, it was just I, I tried to do a geometric size to make sure all their chips were in by the end, and they thought they were bluffing me, and it's like. Where well, they're bet on the end, and it's like you're not bluffing anyone. It's so obvious what you got, um, and it was, and it's just turned over. You know, I've, I've turned a boat at that point. Um, nice. Yeah, they sent them home. But it was, I, I was just thinking like they would, I would never get this value if they thought I was, if they hadn't seen me play silly, what they think was silly hands and wild, crazy plays. So yeah, this is it. Build a real balance range, and you start, you will eventually start getting paid off. With that's your rules, you've invested it. I've noticed a similar thing just with with playing sort of this more GTO opening ranges. I'm playing more hands, and people are th- people are three betting me more, which is what I need to learn. But I am getting paid when I've got good cards because I'm in a lot of pots. I'm in a hell of a lot of pots, and you and when you're in a lot of pots as well, you you hit you hit more straights, and you know you, you're just in it, so you you see more. You know you're got more chance of making stuff yeah and the number of times i'm hero folding as well because when we you play this amount of hands and you know what ranges you're putting people on like i, I threw away what did i throw away yeah ball came out ace queen 10 and i had queen 10 two pair and i threw it away because that the person who jammed i put them on a range that never had worse than two pair and they definitely didn't have queen 10 two pairs, um, yeah or a set um or they'd already turns you know king jack for the for the straight um but yeah they had ace ace queen for two better two pair um but well good fold there's a lot of times that that's happening it's because again it's not that we're just opening our ranges up with abandon we know exactly what we're doing it what when we're doing that who we're doing it against what range that then looks like for them yeah. So when a tight player is playing under the gun and they're raising it, you know that that's putting them on a real, uh, just a few specific hands. So you can then start getting away from these really, really tough spots. Yet people think you're playing wild because you're value betting. What it looks like to be value betting just a rubbish straight draw that luckily gets in on the end. Um, but it's all part of the same beautiful plan. It's lovely. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. I love that. It's um the more I play, like the better I'm getting at the game, the more enjoyable it's becoming. 
and maybe that's because I'm winning more <laughs> or it feels like I am winning more like um it, I think mainly though it's the the confidence that I've got whilst I'm playing feeling like I can read hands like on the go now you know like playing hands in, in a bit of a wider range than I usually w- would and then hitting a flop and kind of kind of knowing where I'm at you know and and knowing whether I can just continue to bluff at a flop there was a couple of times in recent this recent tournament I played where I was bluffing pretty big you know and and I just felt so confident to do it because I just I just knew he he would fold. I just knew he he had to unless he'd done something really off whack and and was had a holding I really hadn't predicted. But you know anything that beat me, uh, sorry anything that would be able to call me was well out you know well outside of the range he'd he'd be in the pot with. And I, it's just yeah, it's just giving me this confidence and it's it's a good feeling, baby. Yeah, it's quality. One thing I've noticed, like I never used to be able to play multi-table because my attention was too split. Now I always or at least have to play two tables because a few elements of it become too autopilot if I've only got one table open. And I actually find myself switching off a little too much and I don't like it. So I have two tables open to make sure that I've got my attention where it needs to be. And I can follow that without any loss of skill. Um, it's rare that the action's going so fast that I can't pick it up before, before my timer runs out. I do sometimes four table and it goes all wrong, um, but sometimes I'm a, a fend and, and I just need action. Um, I just need to stop that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's only over for like a dollar, so I'm not too worried. I um, I did I do sometimes play two tables, but since doing these GTO charts and sitting at the table and every single hand just going right, this position with this stack diff and then working out and trying to visualise the range chart for that hand and stack, that, that position of stack diff. Um, but I can't do that on two tables at the moment. It's too, it's too, too much. I'm still kind of going through my head, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yep, that's my off suits, that's my suit, that's my aces. So I can't do two, t- I'm back to one table basically for, for the foreseeable because I've got enough to be thinking about on it while I'm trying to work out my exact range every time. Yeah, but that's quality. That's like purposeful practice. Like yeah. I need, I need yeah. to do that. I need to be practicing with a lot of purpose. But I'm getting there. I, I, I feel I'm now in a position like you are where I need to have a few sessions of almost throwing money away, but just to really drill, drill down into my live action ranges. And yeah. it's, a, it's such a hard practice. bit. But I'm so, I mean, I looked and I just looked online at a couple of ways of trying to memorise these charts because I kept doing, looking at these charts thinking, how does anyone remember these, you know, grids and all these? Um, and then I just looked up that technique that I've mentioned a couple of times and it's just, yeah, it's just completely changed it for me. Suddenly I've, I've found my way and I've, I've got a spreadsheet that has the bottom of these ranges um, and the aces and the pairs. And I'm good at remembering strings of numbers. So now I know that, you know, uh, a button deep stack is eight, nine, ten jack queen. And they are the but that's a sequence of numbers, but I know that eight is on the button, nine is the cutoff, ten, and these are the bottom of the offsuit cards that I play. And I've just found my way. And I know I keep going on about it, and that's the third time I've mentioned my technique now, but it is quite exciting for me that 
I've I've found a way to remember these ranges because you know ultimately it's it's a big part of of GTO and and big part of getting better at the game. Yeah, that's something I want to put in our book. You know how we became the best players in the world despite having ADHD is the benefit of having five different ways of skinning a cat. Pardon the phrase. Yeah. Like. The way I might learn a range is different to how you learn a range is different to how someone else learns a range. But what's important is you try all of them and one of them will stick. One of them will be like, bam, there you go, you got it. Rather than trying it once or oh, that didn't work and just looking at the range charts thinking that means nothing to me and never doing it. That like you have to try it five different ways and you'll spark something in that little dopamine bit that we need. Um yeah. yeah. And it will sell millions, even though there's not that many people with ADHD playing poker. Other people will buy it just because they love it and they love us. <laughs> Obviously. Sure. sure. Okay. Well, anything else before we wrap up, team? No, I apologise. I feel like I've waffled for a long time. So thanks no, for no, it's been a, I think it's been a, a great session and um thanks for the listeners for listening. It's a bit of a mammoth uh, bit of a mammoth recording this one, a bit of a mammoth pod. We so shout just to wake people up. We're done, we're done. Well, good. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, folks. But no, I do appreciate anyone who has stuck this stuck with us this long. Like, kudos. Yeah, yeah. Wicked, man. All right. See you in Vegas, everyone. Take it easy. Thanks, man. Take care.